0: Hey, it's Avishak, and you're listening to the Stop Being Confused About Health podcast, where our goal is to discover the deepest truths about health, bust myths, connect to nature, and figure out what kind of ice cream we're allowed to eat. So I hope your curiosity is as strong as my sweet tooth, because there are a ton of questions to be asking. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So there are a lot of nutrition experts on the internet promulgating their all kinds of theories, fasting, keto. There are a lot of different trends today as well. And my guest today, Chris Mole, based in New Zealand, has seen trends come and go for decades, literally decades. This guy has seen all kinds of trends from the 70s. He's read nutrition books that were written in the 20s. So he has an extensive breadth of knowledge on nutrition that just isn't just focused on the modern day trends that we're seeing and that's why his perspective is so unique he's also written a uh, an ebook, heal your hypoglycemia and he is the founder of 360degreehealth.com so chris thanks for joining me today
1: great to be with you abhishek
0: thank you so what got you into nutrition that's always an interesting question to ask well
1: so my journey began when i was 22 which was back in 1977 so it started i had what felt like a very bad flu um, and i thought i'd just shake it off after a few days but it just continued and it continued and i had constant headache could hardly get out of bed and in those days i mean it eventually turned out to be diagnosed as chronic fatigue syndrome. But in those days, no doctor had ever heard of chronic fatigue syndrome. So I went through a whole, for about a year, I went from doctor to doctor and they did all these tests. And at the end of it, they said, you're as fit as a butt rabbit. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with you, basically, is what one one doctor told me. He said, it's all in your mind, it's all psychological. And he prescribed some antidepressants and sent me away. And at that point, that was when the light bulb went on for me that conventional medicine wasn't going to help me. Um, and I realised that I had to take my health into my own hands. So at that point, you know, I was, I was you know 23 by this time. I couldn't work. I hadn't been able to work for a year. I felt terrible, constant headache, like I had the flu all the time. Um, and somebody said to me there's this doctor who specializes in food allergies and and this was a new thing at that time like this was cutting edge stuff food allergies so i traveled up to wellington which is another city in new zealand this doctor did a whole lot of tests and um found that i was allergic to a whole list of stuff like it (laughs) it was like no dairy no wheat no citrus there was whole pile of stuff. So I being the type of person I just, you know, I go in, when I do something, I go all in. So I followed this strict diet to the letter for about nine months. Cut out all those foods from my diet. Um, At the end of it, I'd lost massive amount of weight. I I was virtually skin and bone um, and I still didn't feel any better. except for one thing and that is that at that time i still i'd had acne from the age of 20 from 15 to 23 i'd had very bad acne and i'd taken antibiotics continuously from the age of 15 right up to 22 pretty much non-stop i'd taken these antibiotics to control the acne when i went on this when i cut out all these foods followed the food allergy diet the acne went away and that was when so I realised that, that food did have some bearing on, on things, you know, because I would eat a certain food, the acne would come back. I'd stick to the diet and the acne would go away. So that was one thing, but apart from that, I still felt terrible. So I went over to Australia and there was there was some famous nutritionist over there that i went to see and um to cut a long story short i ended up on a (laughs) doing juice fasting um i drank carrot juice i did about a week having nothing but carrot juice and then i went on a raw vegan diet um and uh, i i stuck to that religiously for about three months and i i faded away to i don't know what it'd be in pounds because we use stones but i was about eight and a half stone so i was like. I was a skeleton it was and one day i was just sitting on the the couch at, where i was in the apartment where i was staying and i realized that i if i keep going like this i'm going to die basically i you know i was i was i i was so exhausted so weak i could barely do anything so that i was 25 at that time i went back to my parents home and i just collapsed into bed for about three weeks and that's that's i guess that's when i had this epiphany i suppose this realization that all this diet stuff that i was doing all these extreme diets had got me to that place where i basically become a skeleton and i realized i couldn't go down that path and it was So it it was just it was kind of like a spiritual experience like it was I just realized That as I was lying there in that bed for about three weeks that The answer I decided I'm just going to eat everything in moderation. I'm going to forget everything all this All this diet stuff like the, the the previous three years. i had been reading non-stop. I I didn't have any money. So I used to go into bookshops and I just used to stand there and read the books because I couldn't <laughs> buy them. And I did that, you know, because I wasn't able to work. That's that's pretty much all I did all day. So I had I've absorbed all this information. I, I just decided I'm going to forget everything. I'm just going to eat three meals a day, normal food, normal meals, and see what happens. Well, the amazing thing is that when I started doing that, within... Within a few weeks, I was feeling better. Within a couple of months, I was able to got a job. I was able to work full time. Uh, within 12 months, I was back to amazing health. I was able to go hiking, do all the normal things that I hadn't been able to do. Um, and I, you know, it was, I'd forgotten I for about several years after that well i don't i you can probably edit this bit out (laughs) because i I don't i don't want to go into too much detail but so to cut a long story short this is only the first part of my journey um for several years you know i forgot about nutrition i just lived a normal life nutrition was you know i you know um but then i got into this job where i was very high stressed um i was working as a radio journalist and the same symptoms started coming back again you know the chronic fatigue um the headaches and i didn't get quite back as bad as i was but i was almost back in the same place um so by the time i got to around 35 I, I went to a doctor to try and figure out what was wrong with me. Um, he, he diagnosed hyperglycemia, um, by doing what's a, a six hour glucose tolerance test. Um, and that's where I first discovered this whole concept of hyperglycemia. So that was kind of, the, that was really the second stage of my journey. Um, okay,
0: great. And great. So- Before before we get into that, I have so many questions for you. First of all, I
1: don't yeah, I don't want to take up yeah. (laughs) No,
0: no, that's great. It's great because you have you have this experience that it. What's remarkable to me is we're seeing the same twenty two year olds as you were in nineteen seventy whatever on YouTube on social media talking about fasting. You see all these people on medical mediums, Instagram account, like 800,000 followers. I don't even know how many now people are reporting short-term improvements in acne and this and that. We have to wonder for every success story, there's got to be a certain number of or a certain fraction of um, a a failure. There's probably plenty of other people doing fasting, keto, carnivore who are not represented, represented in social media who are bedridden mm. like you were. And yeah. I think be- because of people's reluctance to, I guess, see negativity, they just wanna blindly assume that fasting, mm. raw veganism, juice cleanse, and all this same advice that's been around for 40 plus years, 50 years, is going to mm. work magically. But mm. you know, it sounds like, so you did food allergy testing, you, you had chronic fatigue food allergy yeah. testing and then you did juice fasting and basically your health mm. deteriorated so much yeah. you were eight and a half stone which is i just looked that up it's 119 pounds so yeah, yeah. that's and i'm six like, foot
1: three i'm
0: six foot three tall so you can imagine wow that okay so that's even that's basically like you could have died pretty much from yeah, a yeah. from a juice fast so um yeah so so okay so you uh decided you were on the brink of death pretty much in my in my opinion yeah and uh you through that pain you kind of asked yourself you know how should i do this differently so you started doing moderation your you said your health started improving um Mm. was your and you said your diet was more in moderation so before that when you were had Mm. tested positive for dairy wheat and citrus and all that um, yeah. Were you overeating what was different in your diet then, then uh Compared to after the fast when you started he- uh, eating more in moderation and healing Okay,
1: well, that's a very good question Because before that I had been a competitive runner. So I used to run 60 70 miles a week and I used to after those runs. I would be so hungry. I would consume um, what we call soft drinks here, what you probably call sodas mm. in America, milkshakes, um, which is basically, you know, what a milkshake. I guess you have milkshakes. Yeah. I can remember coming back and just downing um, two big milk, going on a long run, then downing two big milkshakes. Cookies, every, you know, like I just, um, I guess I was a normal young person, you know, I just. <laughs> Ate whatever I could get my hands on and ate a lot of it so my diet was terrible basically um so when you combine the excessive amount of exercise with the terrible diet it's probably not much of a surprise that I my body gave up I mean I wasn't, I mean, most young people seem to be able to get away with it, but not all of us, you know, I I must've just not had a strong enough constitution to get away with it. Um, So, yeah, so that's, that I certainly was abusing my body beforehand for sure.
0: So you were just, yeah, this is interesting because a lot of people think athletes are healthy and even I, myself, I wonder if, you know, we can kind of just burn it off. And so I think there's a huge, um elephant in the room is are you actually burning these things off or are they affecting your body in a negative way even though you're mm-hmm. burning uh, so much calories um there's actually yeah. this uh netflix uh series about I- like incurable diseases basically people who have diseases where they're going doctor to doctor and no one can figure it out and One of the kids, he was a power lifter, basically squatting and deadlifting, like enormous amounts of weight, And then somehow he developed a type of chronic fatigue syndrome and he's completely bedridden and Mm. can can barely speak because he like literally has no energy. It's Mm. um, fascinating. So I think uh, there's got to be some connection with like excessive Mm. exercise and somehow Mm. developing these kinds of... Chronic fatigue
1: syndromes. Um, I used to think exercise was the secret to everything, you know I can remember my mother got sick when she was she must have been around 40 Then and I was a teenager and I told her you need to take up running get out there and do more exercise Um, and she had a kidney some kind of kidney disease the worst possible thing <laughs> that. But yes, um exercise can be a, a double-edged sword really And interestingly, after I recovered from chronic fatigue syndrome and that year when my health improved, I did very little exercise at all, apart from just some gentle bike riding. I used to ride my bike from home to work, which was about half an hour each way. So it was a little bit of exercise, but I just went at a very leisurely pace and that's the only exercise I ever did. And that seemed to be enough. And um, whenever I have tried... Over the years I've tried to get back into things like running and I've always found that it's affected me negatively, you know, um, beyond a certain point, because it it must be just my personality that I tend to overdo things. And I think some people are like that. If I take up running, you know, I go I go all for it, you know, and then I burn out. And um, so I've had to learn that lesson that more is not necessarily better.
0: Yeah. And, you know, exercise kind of served us a purpose more back in the day. So uh, Mm -hmm. now it's like we're running, but where are we running? We're not really running anywhere. So Mm -hmm. it seems it's kind of interesting. I know that um, people first started running in the U.S. publicly, I think in the 70s or in the late 60s. After yeah. um, John F. Kennedy kennedy basically said Americans are fat and they need to change. Yeah. And so then people started running. And that was seen as a very historic thing because if someone was running, it was assumed they were running away from something. So we've yeah, taken yeah. this ability that we have to uh, find food and stuff and used it for uh, recreational purposes, health purposes, mm-hmm. um, cosmetic purposes. And it may cause the body to do things that uh we don't want it to do so that that's nice to hear people talk about wow you know maybe you don't really need to exercise so much it's kind of overrated um i think people I need to remember
1: a few years ago my wife and i were on holiday in greece and in the middle of summer it was very hot and i was just um out the front of the apartment talking to the gardener this great old greek guy the gardener and a runner and it must've been an american guy came running past <laughs> panting and sweating in this stifling heat and this Greek gardener just burst out laughing (laughs) what an idiot yeah that's so
0: funny because when you look that's one of the reasons why we're confused about health because when you look at what people in different countries with a cultural connection to nature do it's they don't really do the same stuff Americans do Uh, and all westerners now are doing running and it's a worldwide sensation now so Okay, yeah. so you started learning about hypoglycemia because you developed chronic fatigue again in the yeah. third decade of your life, and That's right. yeah. then so you went on a research binge there. And did you? So yeah. did you find that your problems were actually caused by hypoglycemia, or was it something else? Y-
1: well, yes, it was. I mean, I had. I had what's called a a six-hour glucose tolerance test where they give you this drink of glucose, very sweet glucose, and you drink it on an empty first thing in the morning and you've been fasting overnight. And then they take blood every hour for the next six hours so they can see your blood sugar spikes up for the first hour. And then a normal person it just comes down normally and then levels off after a couple of hours. If for people with hypoglycemia, it goes up, and but then it drops very rapidly and it drops very low and so that's what happened with mine and so that's that's how they diagnose what they call reactive hyperglycemia um there are more doctors recognizing it now than there were back then in those days there were very few doctors who would diagnose it um but this particular doctor did um and he so his his advice then was and that was a, the standard advice that's i think still given to people with hyperglycemia Eat six to eight small meals a day so but never eat any big meals but just eat um small meals and space them out every two or three hours the idea that your blood sugar will stay stable you know and you'll never have any uh, very ra- rapid rises or falls so anyway i tried that um but i felt worse you know and so this was so i went through another whole period then of back to researching um and almost went back to where i had been you know previous time in my 20s where i was just devouring more and more information all these different theories and the interesting thing is back at that time there were different fad diets to what there are today so there were things like food combining was very big back then. Um, I don't know if you know about food combining where you don't combine protein and starches together. Um, mm-hmm. and you don't combine various things. So I tried that. I tried the macrobiotic diet, which was a very big thing back then where you basically have brown rice and um, beans and vegetables and things. a more Japanese style diet. There was the Atkins diet was around then that was very popular there was the Pritikin diet. So you had the Atkins, which was high protein, low carb, and you had the the Pritikin diet, which was low fat, high carb. So I I, I basically, my poor, I was married by this time, and my poor wife had to put up with me experimenting on all these diets, you know. And when you read, each time you read the book, they're so convincing because um, they only tell you the positive (laughs) things that, you think you've found the holy grail finally when you've read this book um but to cut a long story short the same thing again a few years trying all these different things ending up feeling worse losing weight you know which is what i tend to do because i you know i don't have the normal problem of being overweight i tend to lose weight when i go on these diets so again i eventually came back to what i'd concluded and what i should have if, if i'd had any sense realized same thing moderation it, it you know the, the light bulb went off again eventually after you know three or four years of all this researching um same thing three meals a day moderation eat whatever i feel like you know um the in fact this is this is where i first discovered the, the thing called intuitive eating and it wasn't actually co- the, it wasn't actually called intuitive eating back then but there was some um, a woman called i think janine roth i think her name was and she wrote a book called fat is a feminist issue uh, you may have heard of that book rings a bell in the 1980s um but essentially the message in that book was forget about it was written to women but I happened to pick it up and it was appropriate to me um basically forget about dieting um listen to your body eat the food you know wait until you're hungry before you eat eat the foods that you just feel that you feel like eating that you you, and then listen to you know your body and see what effect that food has on you so it's what we would call intuitive eating today I guess so that I tr- you know that and that essentially is what I had discovered myself all the, the, those years previously anyway so once again, I you know, I Went back to that my health picked up um, And probably for the next so I was around 35 36 Until I went I'm now 63. So until about two or three years ago so I was 60 61 I had amazing health. I, again, I forgot about diet, never read any diet books again for all those years. Um, and then around the age of 60, I'd, I'd had my own business for about 15 years prior to that. I'd worked very long hours. I had fallen back into the same trap that I had as, in my youth, um, working till two in the morning, Drinking masses of caffeine eating lots great. I just gradually slipped back into that lifestyle where um, It it just creeps up on you, you know where you you rely on the caffeine and the stimulants and the sugar to get you going So a couple of years ago I just had a real crash where I felt totally burned out and I ended up having to sell my business I decided to sell my business because I thought you know, this is this is um, not good So once again, I started to turn to diet. I realized, (laughs) and so this is the third time now. Two years ago, I decided, okay, I've got to do something about my diet, so I started reading again. And now there was a whole lot of new theories out there that I'd never heard of before. There was paleo and there was keto and there was carnivore and there was raw vegan and there was 80-10-10 and there was ayurveda and there's all there's a whole lot of news well ayurveda not new but i hadn't read it before so oh. i spent about a year um just studying all this stuff looking for answers which i already had if i'd known it but i'd forgotten <laughs> and so i spent about a year studying all this stuff and so you know there's dr mcdougall who i'm sure you've heard of um i read his book I was absolutely persuaded that um the low fat way was the way to go low starch based you know low fat so i tried that for a while and again the weight just dropped off me like nothing and i felt within a few days i realized a few weeks i realized you know this is not the way to go so over the next year i tried keto i tried paleo i tried all these different things fruit eating fruit (laughs) crazy to think about it when after after what i should have known after all these years um and again you know then the light bulb went off so this this is when i started 360 degree health which was probably about 18 months ago um and i think now you know at the ripe old age of 63 i finally figured out that you know and and this is this is the message that really i want to get across to people all these fad diets are they're fads you know um and they look so convincing when you read them in the books you know you you pick up a book about keto and read all the amazing stories of people who have transformed their health on keto and you just you're absolutely convinced that's the way to go and then until you try it (laughs) And then, you know, you feel terrible and think, <laughs> and then, you know, once you start reading the forums, like I started reading these various forums, that you know, you read, say, the paleo forum, there's masses of those, and there are people saying how terrible they feel on the paleo diet. Uh, the other people saying, oh, no, you're not doing the diet right, you know, you're, you're eating too much carbohydrate, right? <laughs> you know, do it more strict, you know. And that's the advice. And it's exactly the same on the McDougal diet. You read their forums, and there are people saying they feel terrible on the McDougal diet. And they're saying, oh no, look, you, you're eating olives or you're eating some avocado or you're eating something that's got too much fat. <laughs> you know, you need to cut, cut all that out.
0: Oh, uh, this yeah, this this cracks me up so much because it's just it's just human behavior. It's we get attached yes. to these diets and then you see the same exact behavior. And mm. I think one really remarkable thing you said is you every time you started reading nutrition books is when something went bad with your health. So yeah, exactly. we often, like everybody who is preaching nutrition, who's obsessed with nutrition, especially the more obsessed they are, they're usually dealing with something. They're, even yeah, if yeah. they don't have a health problem, they have some issue mentally or they, mm. there's some insecurity they have, they're trying to solve a problem. Yeah. Because naturally, when things are in check, like you said, from 35 years of age to 60 years of age, you didn't think about nutrition. You forgot about it. And yeah. that was exactly my story for the past, like, four to five years is I just stopped thinking about nutrition. So, I started asking myself, how can I even speak about this if I'm not even thinking yeah. about it anymore, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's that's quite yeah. remarkable. So, you you came back again to this. You You figured it out on your own. So how yeah. did you, I guess, so you ha- you were stressed out, kind of burnt out, staying up yeah. late, relying on stimulants and sugar, which also I noticed mm-hmm. if I, you know, overworking myself, I need like caffeine with a little bit of sugar just feels really good. Yeah, um, yeah. So how have you, have you just gone back to the same thing, like strict three meals a day in moderation? Because now that you're, now that mm-hmm. it's, you know, a couple dates, a de- couple decades past when it was the previous mm-hmm. time you were studying health. Yeah. How, have you, have you guess, how have you, I guess, managed to find a way to cope with the stress and all that and achieve health again?
1: Yeah, well, you see, this is, I think a lot of the problem is not just diet. When you go a bit deeper than diet, it comes down to our personalities a lot of the time. And um, if you're a type of personality that tends to push yourself too hard, um you can burn out and this can cause a lot of health problems that we think diet is the answer and it and it is to some extent so the thing is what what happens with me and i i i'm sure this happens with a lot of people um when you get stressed um we tend to compensate by things like caffeine or sugar or what everybody has something that they turn to i mean i know some people that eat meat or fatty foods or you know when they get stressed but for me it's mainly caffeine and sugar and um, starchy stuff so we all have something that we turn to when we're stressed so in a sense it's diet but the root cause that causes us to get our diet out of balance in the first place is actually the stress so i think we need to look deeper than just the diet Having said that, I do think, I mean, diet is something that we can control. And so if you become conscious of the fact that you're turning to these stimulants and these sugary foods or whatever is your particular thing that you become addicted to, that's a warning sign that something is out of balance in your life. So I think that's where we should really start with this whole approach to health, is to figure out where the imbalances are. Because I think the secret to health is balance, really, um, moderation and balance. And, you know, these are things that go back to all these ancient philosophies like Ayurveda, um, you know, and Chinese traditional medicine. I mean, I particularly like Ayurveda because that's, that's really is at the heart of Ayurveda, even though it, it, it can be very complicated. In an, the essence of Ayurveda really is moderation, balance, listening to your body. And when you're listening to your body, you know when you're getting stressed, you know when you're using stimulants to keep you going, and then you can do something about it before you get too far down the wrong track. So my approach now is essentially, I believe three meals a day is right. i totally against this idea of eating six to eight small meals a day. Um, I think it's totally counterproductive. I don't think it ever gives you digestion a chance to rest. And I think when you do that, almost certainly you're going to end up overeating. Because I found when I was doing that, you know, the doctor said, okay, you eat every two to three hours. Make sure you never go more than two to three hours without eating. Well, I'd eat breakfast, say, two to three hours later, I wasn't hungry, you know, I felt fine. But because the doctor said I had to eat something, I'd eat something and then I'd sort of feel worse, you know and so if you eat three meals a day um it's what people have always done you know that's you know thousands of years people have eaten morning noon and night it's you know it's but i don't really see why we need to reinvent the wheel on that um so essentially what i do is um eat breakfast. even i have scrambled eggs and and, um, sourdough toast for breakfast most mornings um and that keeps me going to lunchtime. I have some kind of protein, some kind of start, usually some kind of sourdough bread again, salad, vegetables, piece of fruit, cup of tea, or um, I actually use, eat now a, a grain coffee substitute rather than coffee, although I'm not totally against coffee, but try and cut it down. And then usually that keeps me going until dinner time, and I have whatever my wife cooks, it's usually some kind of meat or chicken or fish. Mm vegetables potatoes rice something like that just basically normal food you know um right yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this six meals a day
0: idea is is definitely really bad I thought bodybuilders invented it but I, I guess um, yeah. you know it was I didn't know it was a direct I guess treatment for hypoglycemia but it kind of yeah. makes sense because they usually always think of something symptomatic, so they're like, "Oh, the yeah. blood sugar is going down. Eat some sugar. That's obviously the cure." So their mm. their thinking is so superficial and short term. So it's it's not surprising mm. that you know, that that it was kind of a popular thing. You know, I personally, um, if I even try to eat two hours, I mean, I can't even think of eating two hours after eating, um, unless mm. unless I haven't really eaten enough, and then. Yeah, if I don't eat enough, then I'm thinking about eating those entire two hours, I guess because I don't because I feel so hungry So it doesn't make it makes more sense to be kind of satisfied and then go on Okay, so I think the reason
1: that you feel hungry if you feel hungry two hours after eating it's because you haven't eaten a balanced meal I mean, I get a lot of emails now from people all the time asking for advice because they've been diagnosed with hypoglycemia and they say they just can't go they can't just eat three meals a day because they, they're fainting with hunger two hours after their meal and I say what are you eating and they say oh well you know I'm doing keto at the moment or I'm you know I'm trying to combine your approach with keto or something so I have um you know like I have a piece of lean chicken or something and then I have some salad and then I'm starving a couple of hours later you know um and I say well maybe if you added a little bit of whole grain bread and butter in or something with that and they say oh no i'm terrified to eat any carbs because you know i've been told that that's bad for hypoglycemia so you know that that's the reason why you get hungry or they might be having a vegan diet and then wondering why they're hungry a couple of hours later so if you if you can cannot go i mean the human body is designed to go four to five hours without eating food i mean that's you know, we're designed to go a lot longer than that without eating food. But if you cannot survive four or five or six hours without eating food, then you've obviously not eaten the correct type of meal at the at the previous meal. So that's where I tell people to start looking. You know, look at your meal. How balanced is it? Yeah, for me also, I, think I can last
0: forty five hours pretty easily without without eating. But yeah, yeah it, What you said is is so funny because people are on all these diets. They're literally trying to find as many ways as possible to not eat food, and yeah, yeah. That's probably why fasting is so popular right now because people mm. just uh, th- th- there's something about it that g- gives them hope. You know, if I don't eat, I'll just feel great. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. People well, are the really trouble afraid. with
1: fasting. Is, I mean, th- there probably are benefits from fasting. I'm not knocking fasting completely but you can't fast forever obviously. And um, it's uh, you know, so you've got to go back to eating eventually. So what do you think and, about, um, about dairy? Right, well that's an interesting question because um, <clears throat> I've been around long enough to see um, both sides of the dairy issue. I think when I was growing up, I grew up in New Zealand where um we're a dairy producing country and you know dairy was promoted as a health food when i was growing up we at school every child was given a half pint of milk every morning um free by the government and we used to you know we were forced to drink that for our health um i don't think it did anybody any harm i think people were pretty healthy in general um back in those days but that the government stopped that in the 1970s, and the reason they stopped it is that some research came out showing that we should all be eating a low-fat diet. And um, so there was a lot of pressure put on the government to stop this free milk because, of course, milk is high in cholesterol and so on. So my view on dairy, um, and, th- and this is based on my own experience, I mean, I've cut out dairy for two periods in my life, for extensive you know for a year 18 months i've had no dairy both times my health has suffered as a result um i mean i've cut out other things as well as dairy so it may not strictly be the dairy but both times i've brought dairy back into my diet i have found that my health has dramatically improved so my theory on dairy now having looked at all the research on it and the pros and cons I think some people do well on dairy and actually benefit from dairy. Other people don't do well on dairy. So I don't think, I'm not saying everybody should be eating dairy because there are people, you know, for example, the Chinese have never eaten dairy. Um, Japanese, that, that, that whole part of the world, Southeast Asia, they don't eat any dairy products. I don't believe that they should suddenly start eating dairy products because I think probably they're not, you know, they're not genetically um, evolved to to digest dairy products. And I, I know a lot of the you know, Asian people have you know suffer when they eat dairy products. But if you come from Europe, Middle East, you know, far over as India place. place In those parts of the world, people have always eaten dairy products going back thousands of years, you know. um, It's been a very important part of their diet. So this idea that dairy is only a a food for baby cows, you know, cows, I think that's rubbish because, you know, Mm -hmm. if that was the case, how, why have throughout Europe, dairy has been very prized food And, and India and Ayurveda they milk you know milk products they're very prized um milk contains almost all the well particularly raw milk contains almost all the nutrients you need for health so it's almost a perfect food so i think with dairy if you can eat dairy drink milk eat dairy products you don't have any obvious you know digestive issues or whatever then go then enjoy them if you drink milk and you suffer you know bloating, gas or whatever obviously then i'm not i I think listen to your body i think that's really the answer on dairy um i think there's no no hard and fast right or wrong on it
0: yeah i think it's pretty pretty straightforward to understand if dairy is harming your health usually there's some pretty Visceral responses. I mean for some people there's delayed hypersensitivity reactions which can take a little longer, but you know some mucus and so on. So if you cut it out and feel better, but yeah, Yeah. uh, you know, in India, dairy is consumed a lot and I I like the taste of dairy. I go by taste so makes me feel good. Um, so you also talk about the Mediterranean diet and what are some, um, I know you've talked, there's a few myths about the Mediterranean diet. What have you noticed about, what do you have to say about what the true Mediterranean diet is?
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Mediterranean diet. Um, and what i found interesting is that various researchers Will interpret the Mediterranean diet according to their own particular bias. So, if they're coming from a low-fat perspective to start with, they will look at all the low-fat aspects of the, the Mediterranean diet—that it's high in complex carbohydrates, low in animal fats—and so on. So they'll they'll push that side of it. If they're coming from the other side of it, you know, if they're coming from the more the Paleo or the, the you know the the higher fat side of things, they'll Point to all the olive oil and all the olives and things, you know, and they'll try and paint it as a as a higher fat diet but if you look um, Well, there's there's a place called Ikaria, I think is how it's pronounced ikaria or ikaria in greece, which is an area that i've studied a little bit the diet there because though They have a particularly high number of people who live to a hundred and if you look at their diet, I, I've looked at what they eat on a daily basis, and it's it's pretty much balanced. It's right down the middle. It's not low fat. It's not low carb. They, their typical breakfast, they probably have some kind of dairy product, they eat yogurt, they they drink goat's milk for breakfast, they have sourdough bread, you know, so they they eat gluten and they eat dairy pretty much every meal. Um, They eat lots of olive oil. Um, But the thing is they eat in moderation. You know, they, if the people have researched them, they say that they never, they're always, they're moderate in what they eat. They don't, you know, they they seem to have the idea that they know when to stop, you know. Um, So they don't tend to overeat, but they enjoy their food and they eat whatever's around. And, um, I mean, it's organic, obviously. There's a lot of things. It's good, fresh, healthy food. Their goat's milk would be unpasteurized. It's raw, so, you know, it's got that benefit. But, you know, it, it's certainly not low-fat anyway. Um, they're not afraid to eat loads of olive oil. They eat roast pork. They eat meat whenever they can get it um they're not vegan they're not anything you know they don't fit into anything you know there's no current fad diet that you can fit them into so they're just somewhere in the middle they eat whatever they feel like eating um they drink wine they drink coffee um you know and yet they're healthy so i think that's the true mediterranean diet and they don't overstress, like you know, as I said, when we were in Greece and this this old Greek guy, you know, who was a, working as a gardener, he would rest in the shade, but he thought it was hilarious that an American would go by running in the middle of the day, you know. So they just, I guess they're in tune with their bodies more, you know, um, they just live a balanced life and don't worry too much about diet. Yeah, that, that seems to be the
0: way people turn after studying health for a period of time. They realize mm-hmm. you know, there is really no need to stick to this label of high-fat, low-fat, and um, mm-hmm. I think many of the long-lived people, they they don't overeat, and they mm-hmm. don't undereat, and mm-hmm. yeah, they don't really, you know, worrying so much about diet is not a central focus of, of, of their health. Mm-hmm. I mean, we study it. They don't. And I think for us to graduate to that level, we kind of have to understand the basic concepts, eat fresh food and so on, and then just enjoy it, learn to enjoy life and stop stressing.
1: A lot of it becomes like a religion to people, I think too, because, um, you know, if I send out an email to my list, say, for example, recently I sent one out, my thoughts on a low carb diet. um, And, I got replies from people, you know, almost, uh, people can be abusive. You know, they can think, you know, it, it's like you're attacking their religion if you if you criticise a low-carb diet. Um, and I think that's what attracts people to it, you know, because we like to be part of some kind of a club or, you know, that we, we are this or we are that, and everybody outside that club is the enemy almost, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a very familiar, familiar feeling. Um, Diets Mm. have become kind of like a religion. And, you know, I think through conversations like this, you know, hopefully people start to see that it doesn't have to be a central focus. You can enjoy your life and still Mm. enjoy really good, fresh food. Mm. And also, we should probably travel to Greece and drink some raw goat's milk. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so, do you have any final thoughts about hypoglycemia, diet, anything?
1: Yeah, well, if there's anybody out there who's been diagnosed with hypoglycemia, and there seem to be a lot out there now because more doctors are picking it up, my advice is, well, number one, don't go down this track of six to eight small meals a day. That's the worst possible thing you can do in the long run. I know that your doctor might disagree, but that, you know, I really want to stress that, that your body, we're designed to feel a little bit hungry is actually not a bad thing. A little bit. I'm not talking about extreme hunger, starving yourself, but to get to that point where you just, you feel hungry before you eat again, I think that's a really important thing. And this whole idea never allow yourself to get hungry never allow your blood sugar to drop is very counterproductive in fact the most healthy thing you can do is to wait until you're really hungry before you eat and ayurveda i think they they say wait until you're famished before you eat some some ayurveda text but you know what listen to your body be in tune with your hunger when you're hungry eat When you're not hungry don't eat it. it, It's it's as simple as that really and if I could just get that message across It's the 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 strange thing is that most people don't want to hear it It's it's very difficult to get people to hear that message, which is the frustrating thing because We all by nature want think that some kind of strict diet is the answer and it's a very very easy track to fall into and i think sometimes you just got to go through that and come out the other side before you realize it and i found that a lot of people don't want to hear my message until they've been through that you know so i i just keep trying to put that out there to people and hope that more people will oh sorry about that
0: no problem
1: Um, so can you edit all this? You can edit all this out. Uh, No, I mean, it's, it's fine. The
0: main point is I, I agree. And it's very refreshing to hear you say these things because, you know, I also sometimes feel like there's all these vegans on my channel, people defending their diets and, Mm. you know, if they do well, that's great. But a lot of them, I think they will make these same realizations after they, come out the other end as you said and eat. I think
1: a lot of these diets can work in the short term you know if for example if you've been on eating a lot of meat a typical American diet a lot of meat a lot of fat a lot of sugar you go on a vegan diet you can balance yourself out I think it can be beneficial for a while but if you keep going down that track you become unbalanced in the other direction you know and it's interesting a lot of the pa- people are going to paleo diet They've come from a vegan diet. Um, you read in the forums, you know, they tried vegan and then they got sick. So they turned to paleo and now it's a great, you know, health is transformed. It's, paleo is the greatest thing, you know. But probably another year or so down the track, they'll realize that <laughs> there are problems with that as well. So,
0: Yeah, right now so many people are going vegan to carnivore and it's like a huge, huge sensation yes. on YouTube. Um and people always latch on to the same things. They notice, you know, oh, I'm gaining a little more muscle. So, that's obviously a sign that this diet is is absolutely the best diet. But as long as they keep listening to their bodies and um, learn to follow their intuition a bit more, they will be good. So, thanks for joining me today, Chris. Um, Chris is the author of Heal Your Hypoglycemia. Um, that will be linked in the show notes. And I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks Abhishek, great to talk with you.